Welcome back everybody, I'm Simon Severino, your host. And today, for the second time, we have the Pitch Whisperer in the house. He has a new book out and I had, I had to have him on the show. The book is called The Sale is in the Tail and it can improve our businesses. It's a business fable about the power of storytelling as a sales tool. And I want all the good sales tools for you people. So I asked, John, please come back to the show. Let's share this with everybody. And he said, yes, people. And we will explore how you can tell your story, how the you can tell your company story, and how to tell a case story. Very practical stuff. It has improved my sales. It might improve your sales. Welcome, everybody. John Lipsey. Uh, thanks for having me, Simon. Great to be so back. So cool to have you here. And my God, I will tell about my favorite things from, from the book. But I have seen this person changing lives in 15 minutes. So if you, <laughs> if you go, oh, another book. No, 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 no. This person has changed life in front of me. In our mastermind, he picked three people. He said, tell me what your offer is. He deconstructed it. He reconstructed it. And now it makes sense. Now everybody can tell what they do and their friends can tell other people what they do in 15 minutes. So, John, I'm so happy that you are here. And tell us, what are you currently creating? Well, I'm currently creating a big PR campaign around the book. I've recently been on several different television shows talking about how to use storytelling to ask for a raise which is a nice surprise for people who aren't entrepreneurs but are having a job. But even if you are an entrepreneur and you have people working for you, you might want to learn what skills they might be using to ask for a raise and decide whoever tells the best story. And when they ask for that raise is one of the big outcomes, all geared to creating buzz for companies to hire me to come in and be their sales keynote speaker at their annual meetings. That's, by the way, people, that's John's second superpower. I did not know what PR is. I <laughs> public relations. I did not know what it is and never, never tried it, never needed it, never knew what it is. And then John comes and says, Simon, duh, 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 duh. and I go, oh, where did you, where did you get that from? Simon, that's how you do PR. And I go, <laughs> so, and he's the master. He, he, yesterday I saw you on television. Yes, in Canada. Uh-huh. So people, if you have something that you want to get across more, this is the man. And you are helping airports getting getting a win. Can you are you allowed to share? Well, I'm allowed to share the concepts of it. So I help architects who are competing against other architects when one of them hired me to help them with their 1-hour presentation or pitch. They don't like to call it a pitch. They call it an interview, but it's all selling. Um so they made the final four and it was between them and three other firms. And whoever told the best story is the one that got the sale. And by the way, when you win an airport renovation, that's a billion dollar sale because it's a five or six year project. So eight people had to present within 45 minutes. And so we needed a little personal story to make people feel like they could get to know them a little bit. And then we turned some of their previous work into a case story, as you described earlier, instead of just some boring uh, before and after pictures that didn't really tell a story. And that's what allowed them to win. 
Yes, this is also one of your concepts that I really love and I have, I have applied it. So how do you tell other people about where you can bring them? You can make a case study. Number, 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 number. People exactly. don't yes. care so much about so much analytics. You say, no, carve out the story. Can you unpack that? Yes. A good story has four parts. The exposition, you want to think of yourself like a journalist. Who, what, where, when. Paint those details so we're pulled into the story. Was this last week, last month, last year? Who's in the story? Where are we? And then you describe a problem. And Simon, the better people become at describing a potential buyer's problem, the more that buyer thinks they have their solution. And then the secret sauce to any good story is the resolution. What happens after they've hired you? Give us a future look at that life because without that resolution, the story is just okay. But if you really want to make it memorable and tug at heartstrings so people open purse strings, have that resolution in your story. You know what I'm curious about? If I watch Netflix, mm -hmm. I am so hooked. I cannot stop at the end of the episode. I have yes. to watch the next one. Yep. And so my first question is, how the hell do they do it to <laughs> craft that? And the second is, how can we use that in business? Mm. Well, in storytelling, it's called an open loop. And you plant a seed of what your brain wants closure. And you know the way the brain works more than anyone else I've ever met. And so when you say, I'm going to tell you about the time I met Michael Phelps, and then your brain's going, oh, I, I need to hear that story. I need to hear that story. And then I start talking about something else. You're waiting for that story. And what they do in movies and TV, when they movies do it for wanting you to see the sequel, there's an open loop. I need to find out what happens. There looks like there's a car crash. Did anybody survive? Whatever it is that creates that. So when we're telling business stories, you just plant little seeds about, I'm going to tell you a story before this hour is up if you're in there for a presentation to win new business. Or sometimes you just sprinkle it in some of your emails. Wait till you hear about. When I have people introduce me before I get up in front of a big room full of people, they'll say, John's going to tell a story about when he met Michael Phelps. Well, automatically the audience is waiting for that story. And so when it comes, they're like, ah, oh, closure. There's a lesson that Michael Phelps told John about why he became such an Olympic medalist that we can become an Olympic medalist in our business. I want to have that knowledge. And so that creates anticipation for the story. Absolutely. And now maybe I understand also why I like trailers so much. Trailers <laughs> start somewhere in the middle. You are somewhere yeah. in action, but you don't know the context. And mm -hmm. then you get a little bit of the story and then punchline. And then you, you still yes. okay, want to see the, the rest, right? Well, this is a great tool for what I call being stuck at the friend zone at work. Mm -hmm. Now, most of us have been stuck at the friend zone in the dating situation. Not you because you're so handsome. But more, mere mortals like us, we have been stuck in the friend zone at work in dating situations. Uh, where someone says, yeah, I, I'm not interested in dating you. I just want to be your friend. What that looks like in business is someone says, oh, I'm interested. Simon, send me some information. And then it's crickets. Like, what happened? I thought they were going to buy. Well, I thought we had momentum. 
So the way out of that friend zone at work is to tell a story that intrigues them to go, oh, I'm more than just interested. I'm intrigued to find out what that could look like if we work together to get this outcome that you're describing. Oh, I have to, I have to study even, even more trailers. And um, my favorite exercise from your book is the five, five, five. I said, I mm. applied it. It really works. I was so pissed. I did the five, five, five. Ask myself in five months, does it matter? Oh, I, it was less, less of a matter. Oh, that's thing. great. Can you share that with us? Yes. So let's face it. Life is not always this linear path straight up and full of roses and sunshine 24 seven. Sometimes we get frustrated. Sometimes we get disappointed and sometimes we get rejected or really sad. How fast do we get back up is the secret. So it's a simple tool. Ask yourself, will this matter in five minutes? Let's say somebody cuts you off in traffic. You decide. Okay. Will it matter in five hours? Oh, maybe not. How about five days from now? Do I still want to be thinking about this? Is this really going to matter? Oh, no, that'll just be a distant memory. And the ability to get back up fast allows you to be in the present moment, shake off the rejection or the disappointment or the frustration faster instead of talking about it. Now, the trick here is if you decide I'm not going to think about this anymore after five hours, don't keep talking about it with your friends. Oh, you can't believe what happened to me yesterday. And this person said that and blah, blah, you, you're giving it energy. Like I'm only going to think about it for five hours and then it's not, I'm going to let it go. So I have people like you saying to me all the time now, oh, something happened. I five, five, five did and I feel so much better. I let it go. Now, the good news with this tool is if something big happens, like several years ago, my father passed away and I wish I had had this tool because I was very sad. But if I thought to myself, how do I five, five, five that? Well, how about five weeks from now, five months from now, five years from now? And if I could go back in time to my younger self in the height of that grief, I would say, you're still going to miss your dad five years from now, but you will not be this sad, I promise. So that's how we can use it. Just start with the five minutes, five hours, five days. And if you need more, just five, five that again. How did writing the book change you? Oh, well, it's the first time I've written a fable, a business fable. And it was so much fun to create a story about storytelling and look over my career and fictionalize some of the things that have actually happened to me and some of the things that I wished had happened to me in terms of being introduced to storytelling as a sales tool earlier in my career. And it was a lot of fun. I said it here in Austin where I live. So I actually used real life places. So in a way, it's also a love letter to Austin. And my goal is that people see themselves in the story and don't even realize they're learning something because they're so involved with what's going to happen to the characters that they are compelled to want to keep reading and they're entertained while learning. That's beautiful. And I'm curious, what, what happened when you met Michael Phelps? Aha, there's the open loop. Well, the way I met him was I was selling advertising for a fashion magazine in Los Angeles and Speedo was in my territory. And I had said to them, do you want to advertise your upcoming sportswear in my fashion magazine? And they said, no, we're going to run it in a fitness magazine. And I said two magic words that all of your listeners and people watching can use. What if? 
when you get an objection like that, I said, what if we treated the sportswear like it was high fashion and had a fashion show around a swimming pool with the sportswear? And since Michael Phelps is on your payroll during the Olympics, you could have him show up. I bet we get a lot of press. They love the idea. I got the advertising. I got the sale. And I got to meet Michael Phelps. And as a former lifeguard, that was a big thrill. And I went up to him and I said, Michael, everyone says you're such a great swimmer because your feet are like fins and your lung capacity is bigger than the average person. But I'm guessing there's something else. Oh, yes, John, he said. Uh, when I was very young, my coach said to me, Michael, are you willing to work out on Sundays? Yes, coach. Great. We just got 52 more workouts than the competition. The question becomes, what are all of you willing to do that the competition isn't willing to do to get to that Olympic level in your business? Wow. And um, many people ask right now in our community, hey, how do I promote my book? Because, you know, many had time in the, in the, in the, during lockdowns to write their first book. And now mm -hmm. they're, they're wondering, how do I promote this thing? You are in the, in the midst of it. Um, is yes. there anything you, you might share? Sure. I think the realization that being on podcasts is one of the best ways to sell books because people are listening to it and they're usually listening to it on a phone. And if they like what they hear, they can go instantly and buy it on Amazon or other online booksellers. So that is a big tip. Um, for me as a speaker, getting on television is very helpful. So I can put that on my sizzle reel of me speaking in front of crowds and then showing quick cuts of me being on television. Because when you think about what you've written, within the word authority is the word author. So whatever you've written, that makes you the authority. It's another proof point. And one of the biggest things is to ask people who've enjoyed the book to write a review on Amazon because it really kicks the algorithm in. And so the more reviews you get, the more Amazon goes, oh, this is a book worth recommending to, if you bought this book, you might like that book kind of thing. So when you're trying to figure out what is a good soundbite that makes this newsworthy, in my situation at the moment, we're going in storytelling as a way to ask for a raise in the first three months of the year. So we're still in the first three months of the year. So the timing creates a sense of urgency because my premise is, if you wait until you're in the seat having your annual review, it's too late. They've already decided what percentage to give you. So you need to get up ahead of that in the first three months of the year. So there is a sense of timing. So that it keeps going back to everything that um, when you're trying to sell yourself, which is why you and why now? When you can answer those two questions for the press in a three-minute segment idea that's got some really great takeaways that allows the media to go, oh, that would be a good segment. Yeah, it's fun. We are back to PR. That's really your superpower. And um, the how can people do it? So let's say they have a topic. So one thing is finding a current general trending topic and linking yes. their story to that, right? Yes, exactly. And the second thing, well, first, how do you find it, right? You look what's trending... Well, Here's a great example. In my book, without giving away too much, um, there's this wonderful friendship that takes place um, between these two co-workers. And um, that is the deciding factor for one of the characters on whether they leave the company or stay. Well, I wrote that 
not knowing that was going to be in the news, but when the book came out, but now in the news is a whole trending thing with the great resignation. What a lot of companies are finding is if there's a friendship in their workplace, that oftentimes keeps people from leaving. So that's a topic that's trending. It was on the Today Show and, you know, they were talking about that with the two co-hosts that, you know, my best friend is my coworker, and I would never want to leave this job. So those are the things you look for of like what's in the news that I can speak to or contribute and be part of that story. That's beautiful. And then when you found that, um, what, what then? Do you make a list of journalists and start pitching to them? Well, I actually have hired a professional PR firm. Um, and so if you're launching a book, I recommend hiring a PR firm about a month before the launch so they can start strategizing where they're going to uh, pitch you to when the book hits the newsstands. Because again, um, the media is all about what's new and what's now. So you want to um, have that ready to go. Beautiful. And um, so what what excites you right now? You're in the midst of this tour. And um, how is it to be on tour? It's a lot of fun. I know with a, the pandemic, a lot of the news TV shows were having people zoom in. So getting my home studio set up with a good camera so that when I'm being zoomed into a professional studio, that my resolution on camera looks as good as it can. Obviously, it's not going to look as good as a $50,000 camera that they have in the studios, but I want to make the lighting and all of those things as good as possible. So again, all of this is investing in yourself and your business. Can you imagine all the effort of writing a book, hiring a publicist, they get you a TV booking, and then the footage isn't usable because the camera you have is not good enough to make you look good. That's like a, an athlete getting all the way to the finish line and then not crossing it. So you always are having to ask yourself these questions. I'm like, is this a good use of my time? Is this a good use of my money? You got to zoom out and see the big picture. Yes, I need the good footage. It doesn't make any sense to spend all that effort and then not cross the finish line because the camera wasn't good enough. So after I read it, I was so happy. I, I went to Amazon, gave you an Amazon review. And then I saw a list of people saying my business is better. My, he solved this for me. The book changed this for me. Can you share maybe some, some examples of how these methods uh, are impacting right now businesses? Yes. It's whoever tells the best story is the one that gets hired. So no matter what it is you're selling, if you're a coach, if you're a speaker, if you're someone selling a, a medical device, instead of just pushing out a bunch of numbers and overwhelming people and confusing them, they learn step-by-step step in the book as a template on how to structure your story and some examples of it in action. So it's not just an intellectual concept. And so I've had um, one client, they were selling a medical device and they were saying it makes the surgeries go 30% faster. Now they tell this story. Imagine how happy Dr. Higgins was six months ago down at Long Beach Memorial using our equipment and he could go out to the patient's family in the waiting room an hour earlier than expected. And if you've ever waited for someone you love to come out of surgery, you know every minute feels like an hour. And he came out and said, good news, the scope shows they don't have cancer, they're going to be fine. And then turns to the rep and says, you know, that's why I became a doctor for moments like this. 
Now that rep tells that story to another doctor at another hospital. And here's a secret, Simon. That doctor sees themselves in the story and says, huh, that's why I became a doctor. I want your equipment too. So they're no longer pushing out 30% faster. The doctor is the hero in the story. Here's the big takeaway for everybody. Whatever story you tell, don't make yourself the hero. Make the person in the story the hero that you're pitching to. So if you're pitching to a doctor, tell the story about a doctor that was a hero. So they see themselves in it. When someone sees themselves in your story, the closing is so easy. You simply say, does that sound like the kind of journey you'd like to go on? It's an invitation. You're not pushy. You're pull, you, they've been pulled in to the story. They see themselves in it. And then you just simply ask that question and it completely changes how you feel. And the outcomes are usually three to four times higher than they were just pushing out facts. This is so important. Everybody listening right now, what's the first thing on your website? What's the first thing on your sales material? Do you start with the hero? Um, <laughs> double check. We do we do a monthly website critique where everybody can bring in their what? website and then we have to yes. design it. And what we see is at the beginning, I am so smart. I am so big. I am so uh, so so great. Mm -hmm. um, how do you how do you help people shift, shift that? that? Well, on my own website, which is just my name, JohnLivesay.com, and it's taken a long time. I have an image of me in front of a big crowd so that instantly an event planner or a client looking for a speaker goes, oh, he's a speaker and he's in front of a big crowd. I've mitigated the risk of hiring me. This is not my first time doing this. And then I've come up with six words that describe my promise, which is those six words are tell better stories, win more sales. You instantly know what I promise and the and the outcome within six words. It takes a long time to sum up everything you do in four to six words that people instantly can see the image with those words. They know exactly what kind of speaker I am and what my niche is. Wow, that's powerful. Six words. How long did it did it take you? And what was the process to <laughs> distill it to six words? It was a long process. I mean, it used to be a little paragraph about whoever sells, whoever tells the best story gets the sale and all this other stuff. And I was like, it's still too long. And, uh, you know, I, you know, I had some help with some other professional speaker trainers that were, you know, getting to the core essence of it. And now I've even narrowed it down where I can give out a little life preserver token. And it says, tell stories, win sales. So, um, it's a nice little handout I give the audience. And so there's, just, you know, like, like this is your life preserver. If you feel like you're drowning in a sea of sameness and it just reminds them, oh, right. So, you know, if you really want it, but then for the website, we said, let's have a little more descriptive promise. So let's not assume that no one's telling stories, tell better stories. Because even if you're telling stories, they can always be better and not just win sales, win more sales. So that's what the website was. So it was uh, quite a bit of, um, thought and effort that went into that core message. That's the old Mark Twain thing, right? If I'd had more time, I would have written you a short letter. That's beautiful. And it is okay, people, if it takes you some time. 
uh, the process is important and you can shorten the process by calling John Livesey, by the way. <laughs> so, <laughs> and the book, the sale is in the tail. If you want to go on Amazon right now, feel free. The sale is in the tail. It's a really good book. And I'm, I have so many questions. I'm, I'm also curious, how did you decide the topic? How did you break mm. down the structure? What was that process? Well, writing a fable, I wrote down a list of characters and some people are main characters, right? And then a lot of things spin off of them. And then um, there are minor characters. So for example, the lead character in my book is named Ben. And then there's all the little details. Like he goes to Starbucks and they misspell his word uh, name and they write, they write bend on the cup, right? And so he's like, oh, is this, I'm supposed to be more flexible. So there's little nuances like that that really make the story relatable. And then Ben has a sister who has a husband who also has a daughter. Now, Ben's sister's husband gets a name, but is pretty much a minor character in the overall story. So you need to figure figuring out how many characters are there. Is it going to be easy for the reader to follow all these characters? But the, one of the main reasons I wanted Ben's sister to have a daughter was so there would be a scene where he's babysitting her and he, she asks him, to not tell, read her a story, but tell her a story. And I actually had a client that that happened to. And he said, normally I would have panicked, um, but because you had taught me how to tell a story for business, I was able to tell my daughter a bedtime story. And, and now I feel like storytelling has benefited my personal life, not just my career. So again, instead of just saying that, I showed it in the story. So that was also part of the process. Do you have examples of people or companies doing storytelling quite well with their brand right now? Yes. Um, the Super Bowl commercials. Mm -hmm. Kia um, has an electric car. And at the Super Bowl commercial, they had an electric um, robot dog. And there was an electric car. And the, we know dogs like to chase cars. But in this case, it was an electric robot dog chasing an electric car. And then the dog went to jump to get closer to the car and it ran out of batteries. And then the owner of the car was charging the electric robot dog, what he used to charge his car. Well, that's adorable. And the hero in the story is the Kia owner of the electric car, bringing back this robotic dog to life. That's, and I thought, oh, that's so sweet and touches all of our hearts and takes something that's you know, electric cars, does it really have a lot of emotion to it? But it did because they created a robot dog. There's another uh, company called Infamilia that got to be part of the Super Bowl buzz without even running a Super Bowl commercial. So what they do is they work with um, premature babies. So they ran a whole campaign and said, these babies were due on February 13th, which is when the Super Bowl aired, but they arrived February 6th and we're taking care of them. I thought, brilliant marketing, tugging at the heartstrings big time. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, so timely and so deeply touching. Wow. Boom. Mm -hmm. That's cool. This is beautiful. And, and we, f we feel right now like the difference, right? If I tell you my product has feature ABC 7.3, or if <laughs> I tell you that story, right? Yeah. And, um, and we're getting more and more and more because we are all in the internet now. Every client is just one click away 
from from our competitors. So mm. the how do we stand out? How do we how do we cut through the noise? This is really what your book is about. Every every single page. So yeah. it's so important, everybody. The sail is in the tail is the name of the book. Uh, if you have a message and if you are thinking about how to get it punchier, this is the mm-hmm. guy. This is the guy. So what's next? Well, how long is your tour and uh, how, how long of a holiday do you need after it? <laughs> well, it actually energizes me. So it, I don't find it draining at all because... Um, creating the book is a lot of fun, and but for me, promoting it is equally fun because I have an advertising background. So I love getting people um, to get excited about it. And I've often had clients say, oh, I heard you on a podcast. I saw you on TV. Um, somebody else, because the more people that get exposed to the book and storytelling, that ripple effect is you know the big purpose and so that usually results in people wanting to bring me in to speak or train their team on how to tell stories so it it just um i'm going to boston at the end of this month to speak to a big real estate company's um, sales team and you know so the the momentum of getting to be back in front of a live crowd is a lot of fun and um the architecture firm is bringing me back for another uh, training for upcoming uh, interviews that they have so when you help somebody win, then they want to have you continue to help them. And Boom. I think that people write this down, write this down. When you help somebody win, then they want to, to continue. So what's your relationship? Are you their business partner? Are you well they, are call, you a me, they call me their secret they call me their yeah. secret weapon, which is just my favorite thing I've ever and uh so if you want someone to be your secret weapon, typically you have to put them on some kind of consulting package so that they don't help their your competitors, right? So there's I've been working with them since 2018 now on different interviews and different scenarios. Um, so that's a great relationship. Um, and then you know somebody who you know I helped win uh, the airport renovation just got promoted. So you really feel like you're part of that person's career and their journey, making them the hero. Um, and uh, so that that's so rewarding. And I think what we all have to remember is that storytelling helps you be memorable for the meeting after the meeting. So if you put your empathy hat on and someone's interviewing three different kinds of vendors or speakers or coaches or whatever it is, um, and then they have heard all the different pitches or presentations, and then they all have a second meeting and they say, well, what do you think? Who should we go with? They all sound the same. I guess we should go with the cheapest one. That is not what you want to have happen. But if you're the one that's told a story that's clear, concise, and compelling that they can remember and repeat, they become your inside brand ambassador. And that's when you start winning more sales. That's so powerful. Being the secret weapon of your clients. And um, I've, I've been thinking lately, what is really the currency of sales? What is really the currency of business? Because I don't think it's money. If it was money, it wouldn't excite us. We wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Come on. Money comes, money goes. It's fine to have it, but it doesn't excite me. Um, but business excites me and sales excites me. So what is it that we are actually Energy. transacting? Yes. And I think but it's I caring. It's, I think it's energy and money is energy in action. And so when you remember that people are buying your energy, 
like for me as a keynote speaker in sales, I was interviewed against two other speakers and the you know, speaking agent called and said, congrats, they picked you. They liked your energy. They literally put it in the email. And rarely is it that specific and obvious. And so later I asked the client, they said, oh, we just felt so good after talking with you in the interview process. We figured you'd make the whole audience feel that way. So the book, the social proof, the sizzle reel, the proposal, all of those things get you in the door. And then it's all about your energy that gets you over that next goal line of we're going to pick people we like to be with and make us feel good because you can do the work you have the hard skills and then it becomes all about the soft skills which is your area of expertise empathy listening and storytelling when you're all three of those are in sync that's the emotional connection that causes people to want to pick you because people buy emotionally and then back that up with logic <laughs> i always like to Think of me as an analytical person. And then my wife says, yeah, yeah, you wanted to buy this in the first place. And then you found the numbers accordingly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you back it up with logic. You're right. Yes, exactly. You can find the numbers that you need if you want. Right. Uh, that's beautiful. So the sale is in the tail, everybody. This is the book. I'm glad I have it here and I'm glad I, I read it. And if you have a message and use it refine it and if you need help call john livesey where can they find you um my website which is john livesey l-i-v as in victor e-s-a-y if you can't remember that just google the pitch whisperer and all my content shows up because i've trademarked that oh you are now literally i i call you since years the pitch but you are now because if you are on google the pitch whisperer number one now you are the pitch whisperer exactly no Have place a look for a second one. Yes, that's part of the branding, right? Beautiful. Beautiful. Wow, congrats. And so thank you so much, John. Please write another book because I want you back on the show. And uh, thank, you. thank you, everybody, for listening here. Grab the book, John Livesey, everybody. Keep rolling. Thank you, John. Thank you.